Okay, today's date is uh, Thursday, April 4th. Jeffrey Harris reporting for 411 uh, Mania, and this is the 411 Wrestling Interviews Podcast. I am speaking with the former Impact Wrestling World Champion, former Tag Team Champion, former King of the Mountain Champion. This is the one and only Eli Drake. Eli, thank you so much for talking to me today. It is a great honor and a pleasure to speak with you. The one, the only. Thank you. I appreciate you uh, outlining some accolades there. Okay, so tonight is uh, the United We Stand event for Impact Wrestling. Uh, we know that you were originally scheduled to face Tessa Blanchard in a one-on-one -on -one intergender match. Uh, you opted out of that match, and now it will be Tessa Blanchard versus Joey Ryan. But do you, do you plan on making your presence known at tonight's event? I would, uh, I would be a wizard if I could do that, because um, I am still in Los Angeles as we speak right now. Okay, so you, so you won't even be appearing at that event tonight. I, I won't even be in that time zone. I'm, I'm staring <laughs> at the Hollywood Hills right now. So, well, no. that's also a good place to be. Yeah. Now, what are your thoughts since they changed it to Tessa Blanchard versus Joey Ryan now that they will be facing each other? Um, well, again, you, you got you got two two great performers in their own right as far as for for what they do. Um, I, I've known Joey for a long time. I'm cool with Joey. I'm friends with Joey. Um, is it my kind of wrestling? No, but I think it has its place. Uh, you know, if he does that on bar wrestling, I'm cool with that. I wouldn't want to do that on television when I'm trying to push uh, serious angles. Uh, but at the same time, uh, nothing but respect for the simple fact that he's been able to. Uh, get a lot of eyes on him with what he's doing. And I think that as far as at least anyway from a physical standpoint, you look at the matchup between those two, at least a little more uh, physically matched, I would say. Now, we got a little bit of your thoughts on intergender wrestling, and you think it has its place. But I think there's been a bit more of a debate lately about intergender wrestling and its place in wrestling, I guess. So much. With... With this whole women's revolution going on, I mean, this Sunday, the women are going to be headlining WrestleMania for the first time ever. Why do you think, I mean, do you think that's a cause of why this is becoming a bit more of a debate in the industry right now? I, I, I'm not sure. Um, I, I, I think the women's revolution is a great thing because when you, when you look at, you know, 20 years ago, um, you know, as they say, the, the girls back then for the most part were, were eye candy. Uh, and now they're bringing it. And quite frankly, when you look at WWE, the girls are outperforming the guys. Becky Lynch is the, the biggest thing going on in WWE right now. So she and, and, and Ronda and Charlotte absolutely should be uh, main eventing the pay-per-view. At the same time, um, you know, our business, again, there are, there are other little spot shows and gag shows and whatnot where you can get away with different things but if, again if you're trying to present serious angles that are supposed to look like an actual fight um you lose a large section of your audience uh if you if you put ronda rousey against brock lesnar just not a believable look um if now look if you put guys and girls in the same weight class i could buy that uh, and everybody will go to, well, what about Rey Mysterio and, and the Big Show or whatever. Big fan of Rey Mysterio, big fan of the Big Show. I didn't care for that, honestly. I, I, don't, I don't think that it 
it's cool for the moment to see that size differential, but to see two guys go one-on-one like that, I don't think it's believable. At the same time, when you're a legend in the business in a certain sense, Rey Mysterio, you can get away with a little bit more. Um, but at the same time, I think, again, that also turns off a casual audience because casual audience is going to look, and they might stay for a second, but they're going to look at that and just say, this, this screams phony wrestling BS. Um, and everybody knows the work. Everybody knows it's not real. But at the same time, you have to be able to suspend your disbelief. And, and I've heard people say, well, what about Wonder Woman? Well, Wonder Woman has superpowers. <laughs> like, we, we live, as far as wrestling's concerned, it, it, the rules were set that this is based in some level of reality uh, as far as the combat is concerned. Now, you know, people say, you know, what about The Undertaker? Or what about this? All that stuff was outside of the realm of the actual combat. The actual combat in the ring was still meant to be presented with physics in mind, with uh, earth, with the science that exists in this earth in mind, with biology, with all of that. Um, So to just take that away and all of a sudden say that those rules are out the window is kind of silly. And I know a lot of people are comic book fans that are wrestling fans now. And so to put it in those terms, if all of a sudden they told you that one day now that suddenly Wolverine could fly and see through walls and whatever other superpowers they didn't have before they'd be like, well, well wait a minute. What? Well, it's the same kind of thing. It doesn't make sense to have a five foot three female wrestler face a six foot four male wrestler. It honestly doesn't even make sense to have a five foot three male wrestler facing a six foot four male wrestler in my mind, because again, we're trying to present this as a shoot as a legit fight, of course there are funny moments, all that, but it's got to grab you as real, especially if you're going to push any kind of a serious, uh, any kind of a serious storyline or serious angle. Um, and I, I don't know, I, I could go on for days and days and days about this, but uh, that's that's my diatribe. Well, I think it's a very pragmatic viewpoint, <laughs> and I'm definitely into the idea of. When you mention Wonder Woman in comic books, because I'm a big comic book guy, I think it's it's just a matter of, as you mentioned, suspension of disbelief and credibility. Even in a fantasy world, they establish their own set of rules. Exactly. Like Superman. Like Superman, it's been established he's weak to green kryptonite. Green kryptonite can kill him. Super Like Superman, another way Superman is vulnerable is to magic. So that's that, so. Those are the rules that are established, and I think it's the same in professional wrestling. So I yes, they're they're established rules from day one. And, right. and if I can go, uh, if I can join you in the nerd pool here for <laughs> a second, uh, totally. I've always been always been a Star Wars fan, um, and I've noticed that if you watch the original trilogy and even the prequel trilogy, right. they never mention a damn word about fuel. Never, ever, never, not ever. Right. And now I remember watching Solo. And watching what was it? Uh, the, the last, last Jedi. Uh, Star Wars episode. Uh, what was it? Eight. Um, yeah. And all they were talking about is fuel, and I'm like, wait a minute. Fuel was never a concern ever. Like it just seems like a sudden addition to the rules, where it's like, just don't change the rules on me now. I think we knew about uh, hyper. We knew about hyperdrive or hyperdrive engines. But it was never like, hey, I'm running out of fuel. Right. I got to stop and get something, and I'm going to get killed. Like, well, because like. In it, I mean, this is a real deep cut here. Like in Empire Strikes Back, you know, Luke flies halfway across the galaxy from Hoth to Dagobah. You think he would need some fuel to get from there to 
best banner. <laughs> yeah, it was never a thing before. Yeah, it's a good. It's a good point. Now, going to your back to your career, I read a rumor online. I have no idea if this is true, but, but that's Uh-oh. why I'm asking you. It says your contract with Impact Wrestling is going to expire on May 31st. Do you want to clarify? Is there any truth to this rumor? That is absolutely true. So, have you signed your next wrestling contract? Uh, or do you know about your next wrestling contract yet? I have signed nothing. There's no ink on any papers. Um, I I know what I'm doing. I've already made my decision. Uh, but I think I'm going to keep that one tight to the chest right now. Okay, fair, uh, fair, fair enough. So, but nothing, but nothing has been signed anywhere, whether Impact or anywhere else. Okay, I I, I think that's fair. Now I know you talked to another uh, podcast last month. Well, you mentioned WWE, and you talked about rumors of WWE being interested in you. Uh, has that, and I think what you said was no one has formally contacted or offered you anything. Has that status changed since you mentioned that? That I'm sorry. No, I mean no. It's still kind of the same thing. Where okay. it's like you know, I've, I've got friends in there. Um, I mean, look, the, 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 the good fortune of my career has been with as long as it's been, and with with as many different places I've bounced around. Um, I know a lot of people now who are in that system and that's goes for coaches, producers, wrestlers. Uh, and so occasionally I'll, I'll have conversations with them or like, you know, last year in New Orleans, I ran into to, uh, uh, Robbie Brookside and had a great conversation and, and, you know, just talked about, you know, when I used to be there and whatnot. Um, and you know, so, so things like that, sometimes I'll reach out or they'll reach out or whatever. And, you know, they'll start to say like, you know, it'd be you know, you'd be really good here, blah, blah, blah. And, but again, that's not anybody making me an offer so much as just a person that I'm friendly with saying it's something to consider. Now, <clears throat> I got to tell you, Eli, with your talent and your physique, when your contract is up, I would have to say you're one of the hottest signees uh, any roster could have right now. I appreciate being that. Being a free agent. I'm and sure I, a lot of Twitter would disagree with you. <laughs> Well, there's a lot on Twitter I disagree with personally. Right. <laughs> now, I think I think the industry is in a good place for someone like you right now because I feel like there are options for talents such as you uh, to make money and to pursue your career and pursue what you love. Do you think, or, or, or am I wrong? Do you think the industry is... I don't know. Do you think there aren't options for guys like you right now? Well, no, I, I think I think the options are more plentiful than they've been in probably 20 years right now at this point. Um, at the same time, I, I don't think that the business is flourishing right. as much as a lot of people have been saying. I think that it is on the indies. I, I think the right. indies are doing fantastic. Um, but if you look at pay-per-view numbers, television numbers, uh, WWE's uh, both TV and house show attendances. Uh, it, it goes to show that, that there's not there's not a huge desire from a larger audience for the product. Um, and it, when it's big with a niche, that's a good thing because at least then you have an audience. But at the same time, if you want to grow it, you, you got to go outside of that in some way. And and that's always kind of been my aim is. First of all, I want to make whatever I'm looking, I'm sorry, whatever I'm doing look as realistic as I possibly can within the confines of wrestling. Wrestling can be a little silly, a little goofy, but at the same time, you still got to be able to turn that corner. I might be able to say something 
goofy or funny or whatever, but at the same time, if I can turn that corner of still being intense and meaning what I say, I think that's something that draws in audiences of people. The biggest swells in wrestling, and I've said this a hundred times in interviews, so, so you know, stop me if I'm beating a dead horse here, but the biggest swells in wrestling were the late 80s and the Hogan era and the late 90s, early 2000s and, you know, Rock and Austin Attitude era. Uh, and, and the reason for that is because it, it was characters. Uh, it was hard-hitting, actually. It wasn't the best wrestling in the world, but the wrestling was almost secondary. Like, my brothers, for instance, were, I, I, I like to use my brothers as a great example because they, they watch wrestling almost their whole life, but not regularly. Like, they don't even want, they don't watch it that much now. But in the late 90s, they were like, man, I watch it just for the talking half the time. My brother is the same way. Yes. So, if, if you have... The trash talk is what sells the match. So I, I think a lot of that's missing in the business. I think some of the people are getting better. Um, but but that's one of the big things that's been missing for a long time. And I think that that's kind of where I shine. I mean, I do I do a fancy thing here or there, but for the most part, I'm not a I'm not a flippy guy. I, I don't do you know a lot of holy shit kind of moves or whatever. I don't think you need to be a flippy guy to be a good worker, though, you know? No. I think you are no, a good not at worker. All. It, it, it all comes down to psychology, right. and half the time it's not about the moves so much as what's coming between the moves. What, what, are, what are my facials? What's my body language? Uh, how am I interacting with, with the audience, with the other people around ringside? All that stuff. Um, and and that's, what, that, that's what draws people in. And some people get drawn in by the moves. That's why the, the cruiserweight division got so... Right. Um, so popular in WCW and whatnot, but that's, I don't believe that that's a main event thing. And I think that 205 Live speaks to that for the simple fact that like, they're not doing big numbers. They have a, they have a core audience, um, that's into that. Uh, but for the most part, people are into characters and trash talk. And then, yeah, okay. Then a match that blows off from that trash talk, but the trash talk is really so so undervalued and and so underrated as far as to how important it is. Now, Impact Wrestling, <laughs> formerly TNA, is really where I feel you broke out and became a name in this business. Sure. Have you have you been happy uh, with Impact Wrestling of late? Um, I, I've I've been happy and I've been miserable at different times. Okay. Um, <laughs> look, Impact has been fantastic to me. Um, I'm, I'm one of the best paid guys there. I'm, I'm proud to say, um, I, I, I was very fortunate that, you know, the first year I came in, I was kind of brought in as the third guy in the rising. I was kind of just a body. Um, uh, cause the, the way that I even got hired there was, uh, one of the producers at WWE who was kind of fond of my work kind of reached out to John Gabrick and was like, Hey, you guys should take a look at this guy. So kind of on that, they brought me in for a dark match. Ended up liking what I was doing, like my promo work when we did some stuff in the back, <laughs> and ended up throwing me in that group. But I don't know that they expected much out of me. Um, it seemed like they were kind of expecting a lot more from uh, it, what's he worked by? Is it Tamatanga or is that his brother? Uh, well, Micah or, or Camacho. Tongaloa and Tamatanga. Tongaloa, Tongaloa. That's right. Um, so anyway, uh, eventually then I, I started getting a microphone and then it was like, oh, okay, wait a minute, this guy's got something. Um, and here's a little story that nobody is aware of, but um, do you remember back when uh, James Storm went to NXT for like a minute? Yeah, 
Yes. Okay, so I was also supposed to go to NXT then um, because I had run into I'd run into a couple guys from NXT in Orlando, Florida when we were doing tapings. It was one of our last tapings in August of 2015, right around the time where uh, we were on Destination America uh, and Ring of Honor, I think, had been put on that that time slot like right after us or whatever. Um, and so we started thinking like, oh my God, are we about to get pushed off? Are we getting canceled? What is this? And so I ran into some of these guys from NXT and, and one of them was like, what would you think about coming back? And it had now been a year since I'd been released. And I was like, well, hell yeah, I'd like to come back. And, and cause I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to have a job. And, uh, he's like, all right, I'll bring up your name. So I got a call a couple days later, um, talked about everything, talked about, uh, you know, we could have this. Uh, ready to go for you if you wanted to show up in October to one of the tapings. And I was like, all right, well, let me see if I can get my release. So I sent an email to uh, John Gabrick back in around, uh, I want to say September, October 2015, requesting my release. Uh, he vehemently refused. Uh, and he was just like, we really want to do a lot of stuff with you. There's a lot of potential with you. Please stay with us. And if you do, I'll rip up the contract you have now uh, and I'll, I'll write you a new one. And I'm just thinking to myself, this is such BS. But I was like, all right, fine. So I told them, hey, look, my deal's running up in February. So why don't we just, WWE, I told them this. I said, why don't we just hit back up then? But true to his word, he ended up writing me a nice six-figure deal, the first six-figure deal I'd ever seen. Uh, and and so I was like very happy to stay with, uh, with Impact at that point. So um they've treated me very well in that sense. Um, and I think in the idea that I was able to uh, kind of get that out of there, as far as like, here's a guy who, again, I don't think they expected much out of me. I was able to come in, knock it out of the park. And now I'm able to get, you know, pretty sizable raise on a new contract. Um, it's pretty huge. And then, you know, it, just considering the momentum and, and having my own talk show and all that kind of stuff, it was really cool. At the same time, you know, like I said, there were definitely some down points and some things where I'm just like, man, I want to quit this business. Um, <laughs> but I, I think anybody who's been doing it as long as me probably has those times where they're just like, man, I got to get out of this. Um, but, you know, there's, there's nothing in the world I love more than wrestling. That's why I'm so passionate about it. That's why I, I feel like I need to defend it when, you know, this – uh, intergender stuff comes up and whatnot. And again, it's, it's nothing to do with, look, when I was in high school, um, our wrestling team was state championships. Uh, we were state champions, like probably a few years in a row. Uh, and there was a girl on the team and the girl held her own. She kicked ass, but guess what? She stayed in a weight class. She wasn't beating up dudes who were a foot taller and, you know, 150 pounds heavier than her. So it's just, I like to keep some semblance of realism, quote unquote. I know for some reason that word offends people, um, but, but some semblance of believability. Right. Uh, because I'm very passionate about this. I'm very passionate about this, about this business. I, I grew up loving, wanting to be wrestling. I wanted to be in wrestling since I was a little kid. And now I'm here and it's like, I don't want to lose the art form that I fell in love with. Now, and it just kind of feels like day after day, it's just kind of distancing itself from what I fell in love with. Now, after signing that six-figure contract, you know, Impact went through quite a few changes over the last few years, went through quite a few different networks. So here you sign this contract. Do you ever get worried, man, I, I don't even know if this contract will be worth anything 
in a few months. And uh, I hope I'll still be able to continue working, doing what I love. You know, the funny thing is, I kind of, I kind of got numb to that after a while because I remember <laughs> that that first time feeling it. Because um, again, I I had right. only been with the company for a few months. The first time it happened that that August in 2015, when we, like I said, we'd done that last taping, we thought, you remember that, the, you might not remember this, maybe you do, we did that world title series that was kind of disjointed going yes. to Bound for Glory 2015. I remember. We didn't even know necessarily what that was for. That wasn't really even necessarily supposed to be a world title series. We just filmed all the matches and then they made it that. Wow. So, and because nobody, nobody really knew what was going on. So as far as we knew, that stuff was just going to air on the international uh, because we, we thought we might have been off the air at that point. Uh, anyway, I guess we ended up staying on through the, through the end of the year. Um, but yeah, that's a point where we were kind of like, okay, is this, is, this, is this done? And then we get to the following year, and it always seemed to be right around Bound for Glory. It was always just before Bound for Glory where they'd be like, oh, the rumors are that, you know, Impact's about to sell, or they're going to be closed, or whatever. So I bid on it one more time in 2016. And I was like, oh, no, I, what am I going to do? Well, at least, okay, I think I have a soft landing. I can go to WWE. They have some interest. Because um, basically that, that year before, when they made me that six-figure offer, I basically said to WWE, look, this is what they're offering me. I don't know that you – because they basically wanted – WWE wanted to sign me for the same deal I had in 2013, which was you know just PC and – okay money but not six figures <laughs> so basically i was told take that deal make yourself a star and we'll talk in a year so at this point i'm in 2016 i'm biting on the whole impact's gonna close whatever but i'm still feeling like i'm fine i've got a soft place to land i'm pretty sure um but then of course we survived and everything was fine and then to 2017 we hear the rumors again and at this point, I'm numb to it. It's like, all right, past two years, <laughs> plus however many years before that, people were saying, it's over, it's dead, whatever. I was like, it's anybody who was freaking out, I was like, don't worry, we're fine. Um, <laughs> so, you know, after a while, you just kind of get numb to it, I think. Now, um, how, how do you look back at your time in the WWE developmental system in your first run in NXT? Was that an invaluable experience to you in getting, in getting you to where you are today? Um... I'll, I'll be honest, um, I think with the way that they ran it then, I, right. I, I hear it's different now. I think with the way they ran it then, I actually got worse. Wow. Um, and and that's, not, that's not any kind of a uh, dig at the coaches. The coaches were wonderful and pretty much just doing what they were ordered to do. Um, but we pretty much just did drills all day. Um, you know, the three hours of in-ring training, we never really had matches. It was just depending on who your coach was, it was different drills. And, and I can recall a few of us asking, hey, can we just do like matches on the fly? Like just pair a couple of us up and we can just have like a three minute, five minute match or we can just call everything on the fly and you know, nothing's thought out. It's just, let's just go and just get into the habit of working on those mechanics of having the, the calls and all that stuff. Well, no, people are going to get injured, whatever. And I'm like, people are getting injured doing the drills anyway. What's the difference? Like why not get those reps in? Um, so I, I feel this way. I know I've heard a lot of other people say that they felt that way. That it, it just, it felt like you kind of lost, almost lost how to do a match in a certain sense. Um, and again, the, the coaches were just doing what they were told. Um, and, and I had a great relationship with all the coaches there. I had a great, here, here's the thing with me. I stay to myself 
especially when I don't know people. So for the first probably two or three months, with a few exceptions, everybody in the locker room hated me. <laughs> and then you give it, you know, about month three or four, everybody warmed up and they're like, oh, okay, you know what? He's not so bad. Same thing in the impact locker room. Um, it's just, I, I, I guess I carry myself a certain way. Uh, you see me in the ring or on the microphone or whatever, I'm this big verbose personality. And then I come to the back and I'm just like quiet into myself and people are just kind of like, well, who's this guy I think he is? And really all it is, is I'm just, I'm a quiet guy. I don't have a lot to say when I'm in the back. You turn a camera on, it's a little different. Um, so, so it's funny because, it, you know, at first biggest heel in the locker room and then at some point this baby face turn in the locker room and everybody's cool and like i said all the coaches i was on great terms with them it was it was a good experience um in the sense of the connections that i made um the only guy really that was a a big wall or giant speed bump for me was was bill demott wow um which you know that's kind of a a regular occurrence it seems so I don't know. I mean, I mean uh, other than other than that and him, <laughs> which pretty much led to my demise, uh, it, the experience was was pretty good for the most part. Now, having said that, would you ever be open to a return to NXT or possibly giving WWE another go? I mean, Bill Demott is he's no longer there in the developmental system. It's uh, I believe it's Jason Bloom now. Would you be open yeah. to that, or no, would um, things Matthew. have to be uh, Matthew Bloom? I'm sorry. Yeah. Would would things have to be different if you were to return, or or would you be open to return to NXT at all, or or is it for you main roster or bust? Uh, I, I, I'm I'm not really against anything if 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 the deal is right. Um, right. It, it it really comes down to uh, the money being right, the the, the time being right. The, the beauty of, of if I did return now is I have a lot more advocates uh, on the inside now. Terry Taylor used to always say, you know, you can have uh, advocates or adversaries. And uh, when I first went in, I didn't really have any advocates. I didn't really have any adversaries either, but I, I didn't have any advocates. And now, after being there and being different places where now people have, you know, kind of graduated up to that level. Uh, I do have a lot of advocates. There's so many guys that I know who are now on the writing staff, or the production staff, or, or the coaching, or, or even all the wrestlers that I know that I'm friends with. I mean, I just tech, I, you know, I just had a text exchange with Braun Strowman a couple of days ago about, you know, how lean he's getting because I've never seen him look like that before. So I mean, I, I talk to these people still every now and then. We're not like best of friends, but it's like we have good communication. And for the fact that I have that, going back there, I feel like would be so much more advantageous than the first time around uh, and not having that giant uh, roadblock of, of Bill DeMott. Now, uh, Matt Bloom was always, always seemed to be very friendly to me, uh, always seemed to enjoy what I was doing, at least as far as my promo work. I don't know that he ever saw me work in the ring. Um, so, I, I, of course, things aren't always going to be, uh, you know, peaches and rainbows, but, but I think that, uh, I, I think things could go very well if I went back there. Now that I've asked that, do you have any advocates in all elite wrestling? Uh, again, I've got plenty of friends up there too. I'm I'm very close friends with Scorpio Sky. Uh, we both live out in LA. See him a lot. We hang out a bunch. Um, I've always I've always known uh, Chris Daniels. We've had uh, uh, some level of rapport. I mean, again, not like best friends or hanging out or anything. But I mean, I've I've had his number since way back TNA days. Um, Let's see, I'm trying to think of who else is it. Um, as far as... Kazarian, maybe? I, 
He's another SoCal kind of, guy. A little bit, kind of more through Sky. I, I kind of just ended up running. The first real interaction I had with Kazarian um, last year when they were doing their uh, the Ring of Honor show in Vegas, I was just hanging out with those guys backstage, uh, their Vegas taping, uh, hanging out with uh, SCU. Uh, and then I think I ran into Sky randomly at the airport one day. We were both flying out somewhere. And uh, he was with Kazarian. So that was the first time I'd really, I guess, interacted. We were having drinks together, whatever. Um, Cody and I have, have had conversations. Um, I, you know, I talked to him from time to time, nothing, again, not best friends, but we have a, we have a conversational, uh, conduit, I guess you could say. Now, from my perspective, I think AEW has been good for the business just for the simple fact that I think it's giving talent leverage. It's getting them paid, and it's giving them an, them an option. Now, it might be temporary. We'll see how this, this new venture works out. I'm curious, I'm curious about what you think about AEW and how, how those people are making a go of things right now with their upcoming event. Well, I, I think it's damn amazing that for never having a show, I mean, technically, I guess you could say All In was them, but not, not from an official standpoint. Right. Having never had a show and having this much buzz – is on another level um but you know the 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 crazy thing about the wrestling business is um everybody's kind of been at the mercy of wwe in a sense to where um if if you're unhappy with something or whatever as a talent you're kind of at the behest of the office in a certain sense um whereas you know you look back at when ecw wcw were around Guys had options. If if things weren't going so great, it was like, okay, well, I'm not happy with this. I'm going to go over here. And there was more there was more power for the talent. Whereas now there there hasn't been a lot of power for the talent in the last few years. But as the options grow for places to work, that gives more power to where they don't have to just you know bow down uh, to the office. And and I'm not saying that I think that you know, the, the wrestler should be able to just F off the talent or the, the office, but just in the sense that there should be more of a balance to where it's not just, uh, sometimes you, you look at the way a business is done and it just looks a little one-sided. Um, and, and I think that with more options, if AEW can actually get things rolling and, and I, obviously it's not there yet. They haven't even had their first show. They sold out a show. They sold out all in, they sold out double or nothing, but the thing, the thing that people have to remember is, as impressive as that is, it's a destination show. This is kind of like a WrestleMania in a sense, to where it's not like it's all not in weekly was, TV for one thing. What's that? It's not weekly TV. Well, yeah, there's that, but also when you consider like All In selling out, that's an amazing accomplishment and kudos right. to them. But it's not Chicago people who sold that out. So, like, whereas WWE goes to Chicago, Las Vegas, wherever, that's the people from that city going to that arena. Oh, okay. So right. All In was a destination show where you had people coming in from England, you had people coming in from the West Coast, the East Coast, everywhere to go to Chicago right. to see that show. Well, like, I'm um, going to Double or Nothing, and I'm in the SoCal area, so that's just, and that's in Las Vegas, and, so just for well, that, Yeah, that's barely even an issue, because what is a four-hour drive for right, us? Right, right, right. But like going, I mean, going from LA to Houston, or, or like you know, or even international yeah. audience coming in. Exactly, and 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 what I'm saying to that is again an amazing feat that technically an independent show is selling out a ten thousand seat arena. Amazing, uh, and all the credit in the world for the, the the business prowess to get that done. 
Um, at the same time, it just needs to grow to the point where now you can do that with the local audience at every little market that you go to, um, as WWE has been able to do in the past. And until you can do that, it's not going to really be competition. And I think that that's a smart idea on their part to not go straight up trying to compete from the start and just being an alternative. Because I think that is how, you know, I mean, for instance, WCW back in the day, they, they, you had NWA in the early 80s, who I think in some level could compete with the WWF until Hulkamania really took off. Um, but then you had WCW in, what was it, MGM or, or Disney or whatever it was, you know, in those small little arenas. But they couldn't really compete the same way to where it had to stay on Saturdays and Sundays. But then finally when they could start filling up arenas, okay, wait a minute, let's go ahead and let's move ourselves to Mondays. Because now you have a more viable product where actually there's people all over the country watching. What was your favorite thing about working with one of the business most interesting and historical personalities in Scott Steiner, a a wrestling legend? (laughs) I want to tell you a really crazy story. I want to hear it. Craziest story ever. But I don't have one. Uh, (laughs) Because he was completely cool and composed and super damn generous. Um, I've heard of him flying off the handle. I've heard of him, you know, going nuts on people. But as far as for like everything we were doing last year, it was pretty much like, Hey man, what do you want to do? And he was like, I don't know. You got any ideas? And I'd be like, well, what about this, this, this? He'd be like, yeah, man, that actually, that sounds pretty good. I'd be like, okay, cool. And if he had a tweak or something to it, then, you know, he'd throw it in there. But for the most part, like he didn't, he didn't big league. He didn't strong arm. He was kind of just going with the flow for the most part. And actually, uh, I don't want to. I don't want to toot my own horn here, uh, but that uh, that Frankenstein you did off the top, I, I kind of made that happen. I mean, I think that's actually a good story in itself. <laughs> yeah. Well, because well, see, we were uh, we were calling the match with LAX for the, right. for the tag titles, and um, he he hadn't gotten there yet, so it was just uh, me and those guys talking about everything. And he gets there, and uh, I was like, "Hey, so you got another Frankenstein in you?" Uh, Frankenstein ring and you know me expecting him to just kind of laugh it off because I was actually presenting it as a joke he kind of stopped for a second and he's like he's like yeah yeah I think I can do that I'm like oh shit okay so me thinking he's just gonna do one off the ground and just jump up and hit it he's like oh yeah we'll, we'll do it up off the second I'm like okay all right here we go we got a match on our hands so um so that was cool um that's probably the best story I can give you, but that's a pretty damn good story. I think I think I think it is damn good. Now, um, looking back at your career, are there are there any, you know, besides working with Scott Steiner, are there any feuds or matches, opponents you work with that you're especially proud of uh, the work you got to do? Uh, well, I don't, I don't know if you're aware of my uh, career from you know back back, but uh, Percy Pringle, Paul Bear used to be our manager for like two or three years. Oh yeah, uh, and that was. That was just amazing every damn time. Because um, every time we got on the camera, it was like, it was just the perfect mix. Um, two guys who can talk and just the craziness that is Paul Bear and Percy Pringle. Um, and it just added an element to everything I was doing. Um, of course, I mean, if you get to my impact career... I don't know if they stand out a lot, but I feel like every match I've had with Eddie Edwards has always been like spot on, good and intense, 
Uh, I actually, I guess he was the one that came down to me and him at the end of that uh, gauntlet for the gold when I actually won my first world title. Um, so, I mean, that's definitely a memorable moment for me. Um, having Chris Masters in my corner for, you know, God knows how long. That was, that was, that was a lot of fun. I think we got really good stuff out of that. Uh, and I think we had a great, I don't even think, I know we had an amazing chemistry. I think just the way that they were booking him at the time just kind of left him feeling a little unfulfilled. And I get it. Um, it's just sad that I think we could have done a lot with that. Um, any plugs uh, for yourself or any projects uh, you're working on you'd like to share that we can that we can mention? Uh, not particularly. I mean, I, mean, I uh, what I, I I just auditioned for a Dodge Charger commercial yesterday, but I don't think I got it. I don't <laughs> think I did very well at it. Uh, but of course, uh, you know, I, I've got my, my t-shirts online, uh, pro wrestling slash Eli Drake. I've got, go. uh, my YouTube channel, which is slowly crawling along at a snail's pace. Cause, uh, I am completely inconsistent, but I'm trying to get better at it. Uh, and that's youtube.com slash Eli Drake. I believe, let me double check that right now as I'm sitting in front of my computer. Nope. It's not. Don't do that. That's somebody else. Who's this guy? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, but just look for me, Eli Drake, on YouTube. You'll I'll find it. F- I'll find your official channel and I'll I'll put it in there. And of course, on uh, on Instagram and social media, Twitter, you can get me at uh, the Eli Drake. Uh, Eli, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. And uh, man, I can't wait to see uh, where you go next and where you end up next. I'm very excited. Uh, I think you're I'm a top excited. talent. I'm excited to see myself. Thank you so much. (laughs) Great. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Bye-bye.